94.7 Kumu Kokua because Kumu cares. 7.22 on your rise and drive right here on 94.7 Kumu. We've got your Kumu Kokua segment. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues that you care about and also to answer your questions. And right now on the line, we've got Lieutenant Governor Josh Green hey. back with us for his update on COVID-19. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Tourism has been open for a week now, just about. How are we doing? Can you provide us with some numbers on how many tourists, how pre-testing is going, how many are going into quarantine, et cetera, et cetera? You bet. Uh, so it's going phenomenally well. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say where there aren't some bumps along the way. Of course there are. But in the first seven days, and, and let me just use those seven days so people can have that as perspective uh, we're now we we slipped into the second week now. Started on a Thursday, but in the first seven days, Safe Travels screened fifty-eight thousand six hundred and eleven people. Uh, Forty-nine thousand seven hundred and ninety-one ended up being exempted by getting a pretest. So, you know, just under fifty-nine thousand got screened, and fifty thousand were exempted. Mm-hmm. That left seven thousand two hundred ninety-three people in quarantine, and of the breakdown. And this includes, by the way, Inner Island, because now you can get a pretest for Inner Island travel. Also, a small number of those were were Inner Island travel. Uh, it was 19,000 residents and 39,000 visitors, so two to one uh, visitors to residents. So it really went very well. Now, there are definitely moments where people say, "What the heck? I didn't know out there I had to be tested." You know, we are trying to be safe. You know, our focus here is to give people some hope by restoring the economy but still being safe. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that in our 40 minutes together. Also, some people's tests came back late, and so we have to manually check them and make sure that they're legit. And that causes some delays for people. And I know it hurts me when I have to tell someone, you know, we're going to get to you soon, but there's another 700 people that also didn't get their test in time or they got it from the wrong partner. Uh, but we're trying to be as fair as possible. And if people acted in good faith, we've been able to give a small amount of leeway, small. But overall, safety's first. And look, when you have 58,000 people get screened and come back to the islands, for every 50 people or so, it's a full-time job. So that's over 1,000 people got to go back to work in just one week. I mean, that's a for a full-time job for the whole year. That's what that kind of tourism represents. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, our numbers have stayed flat. We had 102 cases yesterday. We are at our lowest number. I may be able to give it to you during the show. We'll see. Our lowest number by far in the hospital now with COVID. It it dropped down to 75 total. Mm. We'll talk more about that, too. But we peaked at 318. And I'm telling you, there's a lot fewer people in the hospital with COVID now. So we've done a good job. We just have to keep doing a good job. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, um, we... uh Esme and I have, uh, have a couple friends coming back from the mainland. They're having a hard time getting their results in. Uh, have we been able to yes. smooth over some of those bumps a little bit, make things a little bit easier? Is there another process that they can use? If you, know, if you came back from the mainland uh, as a resident uh, and you took mm-hmm. your test and then you came home and you got, a, you, know, you got a quarantine and now you have your test going, uh, how do I do this? Yeah, right? so there's, we, we are trying to smooth those over. We've added a ton of extra people. Just yesterday alone, we added over 30 more people to help, you know, work through any of the manual, uh, the manual approvals that we mm-hmm. have to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that is meant to also help us catch up. But I think 12 or 13 people from the National Guard, 20 people additional for ETS. That's the, the guys that work very hard behind the scenes with the tech stuff and Department of Health. So 
that will make it smoother and faster. If you got the, if you got your test from a trusted partner on the mainland, and let's just say your lab results not back yet because it's a day late or it takes a day longer than you you had kind of scheduled for, now it will be a lot faster than it was in the first three days. Frankly, we had about twice as many travelers to Hawaii as anyone was, was predicting, except for me. I was predicting five to eight thousand, and we ended up getting on the first day. 8,300 people, and we had to do 10,000 screenings to someone onto the neighbor islands. Mm-hmm. So it's been a lot, but your friends will have a better experience. The very the best advice I can give anybody, though, is get your test and have it in hand. Have it in hand with you. Get your result, have it in hand, and upload it. If you do those things, you will be taken care of by the time you leave the airport. You'll be approved. They will release you. If you don't have the test for whatever reason, you're going to go in that line, and it, it can be frustrating because in that line with you are people that think they should be able to get out of quarantine just because, or they didn't get a test at all, but they don't like the rules, or they got a test from someone that's completely not a regular test. So mm-hmm. we have to; th- those are going to get rejected, unfortunately, and I feel badly about that. But those are people who, for the most part, they just didn't really pay attention. If anyone acted in very good faith, like there's a couple, there's a family, a, a really beautiful family, a husband, wife, and their little baby. CVS lost their test result, literally lost their, their mm. lab sample. They I saw that story, CVS actually. Yeah. Have, well, they, I cleared them last night. I was able to get them a second mm-hmm. test um, because they acted in good faith. They went and got the test, and then it was it's beyond their control. If something is truly beyond a person's control, we're going to take care of it. But if it, if it's just the wrong test, I'm sorry, you know, that the rules are meant to keep us safe and they're bigger than just the trip. It's about making sure that we don't have spread and then have to shut down again. Mm-hmm. So if there are sacrifices that could be made and hopefully it'll be less and less every day. So we'll see. You know, I think it's going to get better because we've now got the airlines spending a lot more energy telling people you must have the right test and we can help you right now. They can even refer them to get a quick test right away at the airport in most places. So lots is going to change, but tell your buddies they'd be wise to get the result. If they can get it, you know, they can get a rapid test at CVS or Walgreens if they can find a place mm-hmm. and then upload it, have it in hand. Also vault has been doing a good job making the deadlines in general. That's the mail-in test. Mm-hmm. That's my recommendation. I, I hate to, I, I hate to be so direct, but flying to Hawaii without your re- results in hand puts you into a slight risk category. Mm-hmm. Um, sir, going back to those numbers, so now I think if I heard you correctly, we have about 7,000 plus arrivals. How concerned are you about 7,000 plus self-quarantining? Whose responsibility is it to keep them there? Do you feel we have a, an effective system for that? Well, let me go back to the, the original premise, okay, mm-hmm. which is much more important, which is that a program that's safe and restores hope and gives us a possibility of survival is what the goal is. And there are going to be some bumps. Now, to your point, everybody was going into self-quarantine before, with no exception. So it's infinitely better, is what I would say. Before this, nobody was going in. With every, every single traveler was being forced to go into quarantine and we had the exact same profile of enforcement. You know, it's been pointed out to me in a few cases that uh, the city and county is not enforcing quarantines. I'm not, I'm certainly not going to disparage the police. They're doing their the work as hard as they can, but 
you know, they, that's their responsibility, the counties. And that's why we, we did what they asked, which is give them a digital platform so that they can trace people and contact people. And the hotels are working, as you've seen reported, very rigorously with, with law enforcement. The hotels are able to communicate to their, their guests if they're in quarantine what the rules are. But having, having this number as opposed to everybody, which would have been probably three times that in quarantine, and it would have had the same amount of oversight, should be looked at as a victory, in my opinion. At least now we're getting people tested and, and we're focused on most people being negative with a pretest. So I, I find that just to be a cheap shot, not from you, but a cheap shot from people who have decided they just want to demonize any pro, uh, process. And, and I, you know, I haven't gotten any help from the mayor on this issue at all. So they can keep pointing fingers, but I'm going to keep working hard to give us some hope. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. We appreciate that. Hey, um, got a question, uh, a kind of a follow-up on our Facebook page from Anne-Marie Medeiros. She says that uh, CVS and Walgreens only do drive-up and that Vault requires UPS or FedEx. Uh, how can we make it easy for college students to take the NAAT uh, from their university's health services? Because, you know, I mean, it's not like they can drive, some of them, because they don't have cars. They may have to take an Uber over there. They may have mm-hmm. to walk downtown. They may have to order the test. It's a um, it's an important category of our travelers because obviously college students are mingling quite a lot and they can spread the, the virus. Uh, but there are actually many places that are doing walk-in. There's there's a couple thousand locations across the country, I believe, for uh, for CVS and Walgreens combined. Uh, I'm not going to be able to micromanage the you know the the testing sites on the mainland it's just they're gonna have to look at that list there's a lot of different options there's also options at the airport in a lot of cases there's there's other options just there's options in in every which way you can imagine and people are gonna have to figure out which one fits them or or they're gonna have to you know quarantine when they get here and they don't want to do that i understand that that's quite a burden but i also don't want college students coming in here without some kind of uh pretest because that, that would be a recipe for some, you know, some spread. Okay. okay. Thank you. Can you now update us on the surveillance program? I know uh, on several previous appearances uh, that you've had on our show, you've discussed the surveillance program where I think you were saying um, about 10% of the arrivals were going to be randomly tested in order to give us like an idea of whether indeed travelers are coming in with any measure of the virus. Can you update us on where that is? Sure. It started Monday. Uh, the, the 10%, just to be clear, 10% are randomly selected to participate. So that it is a, it's a selection. It's called a systematic selection process so that you get randomization of people. You're not going to get 10% of the people tested because it's voluntary. And we're doing all that we can to get tests from all over the state and the results. Again, it would be helpful. Uh, some of the mayors have, have really been very helpful uh, with their testing and their data, and others haven't been. Uh, but that's okay. We're doing what we can to get data. So far, so good, though. Right now, what we've seen is of the first first batch of data that we had, we had over 4,000 people tested after arrival on the Big Island, and our team is analyzing that data. Only one positive, one out of 4,100. Mm. We had also uh, some initial data that came from Kauai and Oahu and none of the patient, none of the, sorry, the patient, none of the travelers whatsoever on day four from those cohorts have been positive. Zero. Okay. We're seeing exactly what we expected, which we saw 
in other places like Tahiti, which is a very low number of people are positive after travel. The way you're going to see surges is if, if 100,000 people get back to work, we're going to have to do a good job with what we're supposed to do, which is mask wearing, social distancing, and washing our hands. And if we don't do that, we'll see a surge. If we do a good job, we will be able to, like most places that have done well, keep the numbers at bay and, and actually have economic activity. We'll do better than everybody else if we do a good job with mask wearing. So our data is coming in. It's going to take weeks to get a full study completed. You know, I, I, I'm, it's clear to me now that the mayor of Honolulu does not understand the science of a study where you have to get data and you have to do it methodically. And it's not just like counting the new cases every day. This is to get a sample, to do scientific assessment of it, so that you can extrapolate from that scientific approach whether we have a program that's working or not. And there's lots of testing going on which should be illustrative of what our rate is, our probability of catching the virus. There's just a lot of testing going on. So I hope people will focus on the more important thing, which is mask wearing. That was just yet another additional layer. Not only did we have a pretest, but we're also adding the surveillance uh, which is a scientific study. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. So I, I know this already, Esme knows this already, and you know this already, but could you explain to people who might be listening, who are visiting right now, uh, that the testing mm -hmm. does not mean you walk around without a mask? Right. <laughs> just, everyone, just for just for clarity, because I, what, what's happening is I, I keep having my friends going, bruh, why are we doing this? The tourists are telling me, and these, these are friends of mine who work in the tourist industry. They're like, I got tourists coming up to me going, uh, why, why do I need to wear a mask? Uh, I did the test. I'm clear. And you're like, no, dude, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how we let's let's say it clearly here. Everyone must wear a mask in public. Period. Everyone's got to wear a mask. Uh, the single exception kind of is if you're in the ocean, right? That's mm -hmm. not going to make a difference. Um, in addition to that, everyone who is our resident has to wear a mask. We all have to wear masks, and we also have to socially distance. So I think that's pretty clear. But some people. Some people won't listen. And, and until we successfully are um, persistent over 90%, really over 95% would be much better, we're going to have a, uh, a major problem. We're going to still see some surges of cases. So it's, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's got to be the top priority for us. That's what Fauci was saying. That's what everyone knows. And so far, overall, it's been okay. You know, the, the mask wearing rates, I'll bring up the, I'll try to pull up the mask wearing rates as of the latest data. They're around 80%, but you want to be well over 90 if you want to win this game. Mm -hmm. Since we are talking about masks, I'm, I'm going to pivot to that particular topic also because, okay, so over the last couple of days, we've been seeing a lot on social media, people calling for a statewide, consistent and clear mask mandate with consequences heavier than the ones that are in place because apparently for the same reasons that Devin brought up which is you know too many people are going without especially with tourists coming in going oh I don't need to wear one now because I tested negative um, so mm -hmm. that call for a, a like a consistent statewide mask mandate under law how do you feel about that I'm the one who I'm the one who called for it sure well the reason that the reason that that's just county by county is because under the legislative rules, I mean, under the law, all violations fall into um, quarantine violations. And so we end up being bound by statute to just have this, which is relatively absurd, a, a full misdemeanor charge in a court um, process for what should just be a simple ticket. And what we should do, because you can't, 
you, you can't pe- find people up to $5,000 a year in jail for not wearing a mask. That's madness. But it would be good to give a warning or a $100 fine, like a ticket looks like for jaywalking or for, for minor administrative you know, penalties. That's what we should be doing, and that would make it a lot easier on the police. Because all those cases are going to probably get thrown out. There's just no way you can, you know, you can try to make an example out of a few people, I suppose, but that's, that's not going to have the desired effect. People will respond much more to a clear, oh, I have to wear my mask or I'm going to get a fine. And my, my kids have to wear a mask or we're going to get fined. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, you know, I made a personal call to the, to the top of the judiciary uh, um, com- community and to our attorney general, and they're working on it. It may require that the legislators um, give us a quick law. And, I, you know, I, I'm not, it's not clear to me totally that we can't do it through the governor's executive authority, and I would like that. So I'm going to keep pressing. Uh, but right now, I guess all the police have is the current uh, standard, which is they can charge people with a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. just to update, I mean, this was these were numbers from Tuesday, so I'm sure they have increased. But Honolulu Police, uh, as of Tuesday, the last day that I had made a call about it, 4,500 people had been warned, 470 people had been cited. Do you think that's a low number? I feel like per what people are talking about, that those numbers are actually underreported. Uh, I don't think it's a low number. I mean, I it may be. Oh, it's, well, it's definitely there are more people out there. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, we have 1.4 million people around. And I can tell you the mask wearing rates, what they are, that that number is depending on the island, it's 85% on Oahu, which means that right at any on any given day, mm-hmm. there's 150,000 people that are not wearing masks. Uh, and the numbers are lower on the neighbor islands. But, you know, they're as low as, I think, 70% on, on, on Kauai as of last week. So, you know, the, here we go. I got the, uh, it's coming up again on my computer. So when you're at 70%, 72% on Kauai, 75% on Big Island, 80% Maui, 85% Honolulu, you know, you can see what we're talking about here. You're, you're getting an average of around 80%. So, was that was that before or after tourism started? Uh, that probably was, this data probably goes one week back. Okay, and so that so, was before. But there's almost no tourists here. Uh, you know, just do be, do be cognizant of that. We only mm-hmm. have probably 25,000 people total out of 1.4 million people that are, are tourists at the moment. So... Um, based on the travel numbers we just shared. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be stories, and I'm sure some tourists are not listening properly and, and they need to. And there's a, a very natural and, and longstanding dynamic that people have some concerns about the impact of tourists. And it's, of course, important to, to always be thinking about that. But tourism was not the reason we had a surge in July and August because we had no tourism. The reason was because we had some big outbreaks amongst the Pacific Islander community and people weren't wearing masks. So there was community spread all over. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with tourism. So uh, I'm going to keep saying these things as your lieutenant governor and they are factual. And then other people are going to use fear and they're going to spin it a different way because it's, it's easier. It's convenient. It's um, unfortunate. Unfortunately, it's got a long-standing underpinnings of just pointing the finger at other people and blaming them. Having said that, everyone has to be responsible. Tourists, our local folks, everybody. But to single that out is a shortcut to thinking. Okay. Uh, so, Lieutenant Governor, uh, 
question from some a caller actually who called into us just before you came on uh asking about youth sports i guess he runs a bunch of youth sports and he's like when am i going to be able to do this he says it's crazy you know uh, any ideas yeah, I mean, youth sports. it's mostly it's mostly i do have some i mean it's mostly based on the city and county ordinances and so the tiers are pretty restrictive in these areas only for small numbers of people and I'd love to see kids being outdoors much more. I don't think that that's our greatest risk. And I think that if I were making those calls, I would be much more lenient on outdoor sports for young kids. You gotta be a little bit more careful for contact sports amongst the older, uh, the adolescents, because football is gonna have some, some risk of spread, but, and basketball, of course, and you know, but it's not a lot. It's indoor versus outdoor is a big difference. And so, uh, I will keep pushing best I can to make sure all outdoor activities are the first things to be opened up. That's a lot better. Uh, but I will tell you this, I have a small, small story. My, my old high school, uh, which is called Quaker Valley, back on the mainland, we're, we're the national well, first state champions and recognized as the national best soccer team in the country. And they're, one of the kids caught COVID, and they're out of the playoff system this year, even though they were going to defend their state championship mm-hmm. just because of the case of COVID. And so it hurts. It stings, you know. Um, but I'm much more worried about young guys, the young kids getting to play. Uh, there's lots going on every day. That's certainly important because normalcy in life is very important. People's uh, mental health, very important, super important, in fact. That's why I'm pressing for a safe reopening and getting the safe travel program done as well as we can. Uh, but each of these things have uh, challenges and most of the most of the people that really get upset with me, I'll be frank, is uh, people say, well, why tourism over schools? Well, it's not an either or. I want to help make sure the schools are safe, too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working with leadership at, you know, among the teachers and leadership among the principals and the parents. It's all challenging when you have a virus that can spread like crazy. So there's at least three, three balls in the air. Safe travels, a vaccination program and just normalcy and, and having some sanity in our state. And maybe there's a fourth and fifth ball when you start talking about kids and sports and uh, goodness knows, um, people who traveled and didn't have a test. So there's many balls up in the air and the best thing I can tell you is restoring hope, doing it safely, that's gotta be the process. Everything's gotta fit under that standard. Okay, thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor, appreciate that. Uh, once again, Lieutenant Governor joining us here. Uh, we were going to try and do a speed round. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah. Devin is assembling a few, a handful of the questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, All so right. we start with this one. I got this one twice, actually. Will Halloween be canceled on Oahu? Uh, ask the mayor. Okay. Uh, from David <laughs> Bell, people recover without a vaccine. Why do we need to do mandatory vaccine? There is no mandatory vaccine. It's going to be totally optional. That's paranoia. From Heidi Cruel, how do we get more CLI certified labs added to our trusted partner list? Is there a process to get approved? There is. They write me and we give it to the Attorney General's office. Uh, we're going to ramp those up. And we're also trying to get more of the labs underneath the, the main labs we already got going. It's a, it's a challenge to add more and also we don't want to add more confusion. But we need to get more tests for people. Okay, Jody Padre says, uh, when entering travel data on the safe travel site, it appears to be geared towards tourists and not residents. For example, uh, departure Hawaii 10:15, arrival Hawaii 11:15. It doesn't allow a date after the departure date. How can I enter my information correctly? That's a great question. I I haven't micromanaged that. I will ask the ETS guys, that's the the tech guys, 
uh, you're right. We it's got to be within 72 hours of the of the trip. That's the important thing, and hopefully that'll be on their documents when they upload them. Okay. And uh, finally, Denise uh, Denise Yamaguchi is asking. She wants to cancel Halloween because she says they shouldn't be giving out candy. Well, <laughs> it was more yeah, of a statement than a question, but I went <laughs> okay. I I mean I think that gift bags and Halloween costume parties and stuff. Uh, in smaller groups are going to be what is the best we can probably do this year. Um, and I love it when people are doing things like uh, con- virtual contests. It's, it's rough. We're going to miss a little, a few things here or there. My son's 10th birthday came and went, and he only had, you know, the ability to be with one of his best friends. You know, it was very mm-hmm. difficult. So um, these are things that are challenges, obviously. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of blowout parties next year. Halloween's probably going to be on steroids. In 2021. I'm coming to your house then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sir, I wanted to ask you about um, how Hawaii's tourism will be affected by a couple of things that are happening on the national level. So we did report about a record surge on the mainland of COVID. They had 70,000 plus. It's like a re- they haven't seen that high a level of new cases in a single day since July, end of July, I think. 77,000 uh, new cases yesterday. Also, the CDC recently declared uh, declared that brief contacts count as something that is a, a, a risk factor for exposure to COVID-19. They changed uh, that guideline right there. How do those things affect us here in Hawaii in terms of how we think about the tourists coming in? Well, that's a good question. So uh, the surge in the mainland could make testing or getting tests a little bit more difficult, although we're arranging for a lot of partners with a lot of capacity. So that's one thing it mm-hmm. also makes the pre-testing even more important than before because screening people in advance is something that we're going to want to really do and of course we're going to keep doing the surveillance testing and getting data the best we can in addition to that so that's that's the impact of the surge over on the mainland mm-hmm. now if you're asking me as a doctor about close contacts what they basically said was previous it was up to 15 minutes and six less than six feet mm-hmm. apart was a close contact now what they're saying is cumulative 15 minutes. So let's say um, let's say you work at your chef and your line of chefs are together. It doesn't have to be just 15 minutes steady together if one of them had COVID. If you were with them for well over 15 minutes during your four-hour shift or your six-hour shift, then you had a close exposure and uh, therefore were a close contact and need to be tested that way. So it's probably not the worst advice uh, it, it speaks to things also like waiters, right? Let's mm-hmm. say you're at a restaurant. Well, surely you didn't have 15 straight minutes with some waiter um, or waitress, but if you were with them uh, over the course of four hours and you had more than 15 minutes and they were positive or you were positive, then you did risk each other's spread. Right. So does that, does that now, do you see that affecting the way that we advise people here? or the way that maybe the hotels or the restaurants are going to need to structure their work? Uh, they're going to just do their best. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if the if the wait staff is wearing masks, if the, if the individuals at the hotels are wearing masks, and when they see somebody come in and they're not wearing a mask, they tell them right away, put your mask on, please. Restaurants are a little different, of course, because people have to take their masks off to eat. Mm-hmm. So then the six feet distance is more important and getting in and out. But, you know, if you're in, if you're in service industries like that, you want to have a really good mask on and you'll be fine. And also most individuals are younger. And so they're also going to be fine, but we're mindful of this and 
people washing their hands more, and that's how you keep spread down. All across the world, restaurants are functioning, but they have to do it with certain standards like I'm describing, and and it's obviously not just restaurants. It's everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the re- main reasons I'm pivoting and focusing on vaccinations is because I want to get us through this madness. You know, I'm getting tired of, of worrying about masks, and I'm getting tired of worrying about um, having to, you know, be a nanny state, which I think a lot of people are feeling from the mayor. So we want to be more nice to people, but we also have to be safe. Sure. Since you're talking about immunization, sir, uh, Lieutenant Governor, can you update us on the immunization, the vaccine situation? Because we do hear the uh, the federal administration saying the, the it's vaccines right there. We're right around the corner. Just, it's coming up yeah. next week. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> right, thing. Exactly. What is it? What is the realistic timeline for for vaccinations actually becoming widespread, you know, available and coming here to Hawaii? When do you see that happening? Uh, the earliest it could possibly happen, and it will happen later than this, would be the end of November. Much more likely sometime December to January, we'll get our first 10% of the vaccinations. And from there, we'll we'll ramp up. That's the real timetable. And then that's the first tranche of vaccinations, mostly for very high-risk people like our Kupuna, people who are in healthcare, people who are first responders. And then we'll get many more vaccinations in phase two, which will be two to three months later when the, you know, when all the production is ramped up. It's important to do it safely though. I'm still, you know, I'm still not convinced that it's all done as far as safety goes. So, um, Mm. gotta do it right, you know, and that means, uh, once we get the vaccines, we'll vet them scientifically. We'll make sure it's okay. And then we move to the next step. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because several of the big drug makers have paused their trials on the vaccines and i wondered if you yeah. so you do it sounds like you are concerned about that definitely uh, it's anything that's called operation warp speed has <laughs> got to give you pause mm-hmm. unless it's star wars right mm. so we need to you know we just have to be sensible and, and careful i i don't doubt that we're going to get a good vaccination um that will work i i don't doubt it but it's just you know, we never would have done any of this inside of a year. No, people just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't try to uh, vaccinate people that fast from from start to finish. We're just going to have to do our very best. And with the vaccination, we don't want to make we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to decrease confidence. There's already enough um, people that are worried in general about the principle of immunity and immunization. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to set us back uh, again. Trust me to try to do my best, and and we'll give people as much information so that they can make up their own minds. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Oh, real quick, got one from Jansen Bohm uh, before you go. Uh, he says there's conf- uh, lots of confusion on masks outdoors. Uh, says people are telling him they do not need to wear a mask if they can be socially distant outside. That, that's what their rule says. Uh, I still would prefer people wearing masks if you can, but if you're by yourself and you're fully socially distant, my understanding is the rule allows you to do that. Uh, but as soon as you end up in a public place where others are milling about or walking or you're at the beach, you're going to then start constantly being too close. So that's where you have to wear your mask. Uh, it's again, common sense. If you can't be, if you can't be consistently far away, you should have a mask on it. You know, I go jogging four in the morning, half the time, there's nobody around. I still have a mask on usually just because you go by a bus stop, you go by a, uh, somebody's drifting through and you want to be safe mm-hmm. uh, so do do your very best to wear a mask in public okay yeah because you know uh 
what did he say? Common sense? Not so common a thing nowadays. So, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. I, I don't even chalk it up to that. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, we know you have to go. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate it. Aloha. Rise and Drive with 94.7 Kumu.